0: Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. Today we're sitting down with Josh Crow, a.k.a. Morbid Beard. Josh is a huge supporter of a lot of the work that I do and a lot of the work that my friends do, and I can't thank him enough for that. He's also a huge Souls fan, so I definitely wanted to get him on this podcast and talk to him about how he came to this series and kind of what he's taken from it. As always, if you want to get in touch with me and tell your story on this podcast, send me a tweet at dguspodcast or send me an email at dguspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Soul series, like where where did you start out? Um, Like, did you was it blood was Bloodborne your first game, like Cliff, or did you start all the way back with Demon Souls, or where where did you start out?
1: No, Bloodborne was my first one. Uh, To kind of put a little bit of context to the situation, um, I was talking to a friend at work, and he was saying to me about uh, how he listened to podcasts, and I I kind of I knew what podcasts were, but I hadn't really looked into it properly, so I thought I'll, I'll do a bit of digging and see if I could find any that would suit me, because I, I discovered that they were, depending on hobbies and interests, you know, they were sort of specific ones, so I did a bit of digging and found a load of uh, video game related podcasts, and then I started listening to them and they were sort of talking about games that I'd never really heard of before, and Dark Souls was one of those that was really sort of heralded as being like a modern classic, like a timeless classic that people were going to be playing for years to come. And people were just waxing lyrical about it for so long that I thought I need to just sort of get into this series, but I didn't really know how I was going to crack into it. So this was about sort of six to eight months before Bloodborne came out, and I heard all the hype for Bloodborne, and I thought, well, this seems to be probably the most appropriate time to just try and crack this nut and get into it. So I thought... I was. I'm in an iron about it, and I decided to pre-order Bloodborne two days before it came out, and then, <laughs> yes, I was uh, pretty pretty late to the table, really. But um, I thought well, it seems to be the best way to get into it. Everyone else is going to be playing it, and hopefully, they they'll all be much better at it than I will. So if I get stuck, I can sort of call on people for help if I need it. So I got stuck into Bloodborne, and I wasn't really sure how to take it. It was a, it was very different to every other game I'd ever played, and. The, just the, the way that the, the controls work and the combat system, it just felt so alien to me, and I didn't really know what I was doing with it. I what was, was you, of,
0: your um? What was your like before Bloodborne? Um, what was your like kind of your go to video games? Like, what would you consider like your your I guess the games that you've played the most? <clears throat> the games
1: that? That I played the most would be <laughs> Metal Gear Solid. So those are the ones that I knew inside out, back to back. So in terms of this kind of game. I suppose. I mean, I, I played stuff like um, Oblivion and Skyrim and didn't really get on with those. So to kind of play a game of this mm-hmm. sort of you know, fantasy world sort of thing, you'd probably be to go all the way back to Baldur's Gate for me, really.
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: so the Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 1 and 2 were probably be the ones I'd fall back on just because I really liked the world and the combat was so simple, which is one button to attack, really. So to play a game that involves such a complicated form of combat really sort of knocked me for six. I didn't have a clue what to do and how to even equip a weapon. It was just so alien to me. I'd never experienced anything like that before in my life.
0: The interface can be incredibly intimidating when you first start one of these games. I mean like there's just there's numbers everywhere. Every button on the controller seems to do something different and sometimes if you hold it down it does something different and then sometimes it changes on the where you are in the game, like in the context of what you're holding. So it can be extraordinarily complicated, even coming from something like Metal Gear Solid, whose controls aren't simple.
1: Yeah, definitely. And the fact that it doesn't really tend to explain things to you very well, it kind of gives you a description of an item. And sometimes it will kind of tell you what you can use it for, but sometimes you just got to practice and figure out for yourself. So to just, I don't know, experiment with it. And I was definitely experimenting with how not only like what weapons to use but how to equip the weapons to start with. So it was just, it was so weird to actually figure out how to equip weapons and how to attack with them and it's right well this button does that attack and that button does that attack and then I can press this which gives you was it is the trick weapon isn't it?
0: Well um it's just rolling back for just a minute. You said you were a few months before Bloodborne came out. Um, your bud kind of introduced you to the world of podcasts. And that's how you and I know each other. You yeah. got to know each other on Twitter. That You're kind of a huge supporter of all of, our, all of the podcasts that this kind of community you know, definitely. You know, d- d- produces and talks about. So you had never done anything before. I mean, that's like a year and a half ago now. Like That was your first kind of experience with podcasts to get you into that world?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I didn't even truly know what podcasts were. I knew that they were a thing. But I didn't really know what they were and then once I dug into them and found that um, they were sort of tailored depending on what the people were into and and then I just sort of I scouted around and tried to find the ones that I knew would suit me um, and that's how I, that I found places like and Rince and Twin Humanities which was a very big influence for me in terms of Dark Souls as I'm sure you can imagine
0: oh absolutely yeah, yeah. I've I really <laughs> found in Twin Humanities and um, I I was kind of already into Dark Souls before uh, Bonfireside Chat started but um, finding Bonfireside Chat and the Twin Humanities I was like oh I'm not the only person that's obsessed with this series of games mm-hmm. okay I, I feel a little bit better now <laughs> yeah um how long did it take you to uh complete bloodborne like because again that's a hard game and when i say complete i get, so let's let's say like, get to the first ending like we don't have to worry about platinums or anything like that but um did you did it i guess let's let me let me rephrase that what was your what was your biggest challenge with bloodborne yeah, whether it was a boss fight or the controls or, or whatever like what, what, what would you consider your biggest challenge i say the controls were definitely a big challenge to begin with.
1: It took me probably about 10 to 15 hours just to really click with the controls. Um, but once I clicked with the controls, I'd say just probably the bosses were the hardest part for me because bosses in games nowadays are just this thing in front of you. This is deliberately highlighted as being the best way to beat it. So just fire your biggest weapon at it and you'll get it eventually. Whereas... Bloodborne you had to really employ, employ some sort of strategy and you had to figure out what weapons you needed and what um, the boss's sort of weakness was and if you'd have anything in your inventory to actually aid you by exploiting that weakness and to just try to get to grips with what these bosses were about and the best way to beat them and sometimes your particular sort of your clothing set wouldn't really do you any good, like the armor on it wouldn't do you any good. So you just I had to really experiment, and it was just a case of really banging my head against the wall until I managed to to get it. Because it was it felt like a massive achievement when I actually beat the cleric beast. Because like this is my first sort of boss <laughs> like this that I've ever beaten, and it just it felt so rewarding. And I thought, right, okay, I might be able to actually. Get on with this game now because i w- I really wasn't sure if I was going to get on with it. I was actually considering selling it to be honest because I was really unsure if I could actually get on with it um,
0: well ten to fifteen hours before getting like the controls down is nowadays almost insane, like you know most of the games that you would most especially triple a games that you pick up. You know, they, they tell you exactly what to do, they mm. kind of outline everything, and they, they really just hold your hand throughout the first part of the game until, oh, like, you, you know, now you're in the meat of the game, but it's only about six hours long, so you're almost done. <laughs> yeah. Like, the the Soul series are completely different from that.
1: <clears throat> yeah, it's crazy. And I think going back from Bloodborne to Dark Souls 2 and Dark Souls 1, I wouldn't have actually had a clue what to do unless I'd had that previous experience, because those games are even worse for it, especially Dark Souls. It's terrible for just not telling you what to do and what things are. So I think if I didn't have that previous experience, I wouldn't have really clicked with it as much as I did. But because I had mm-hmm. that determination in me already and I had the experience behind me, I already knew about the combat and about the weapons and you know all the things you can apply to your weapons. And I think that definitely helped in terms of just clicking with that a bit better.
0: It's interesting. I hear a lot of people who say that um, they found Bloodborne very easy because they were you know, so experienced with the formula by that point. Mm. Um, but I found the game pretty difficult myself, and I had played all of them up to that point, yeah. um, including like many, many times over and over again. And I think it was just a difference in the like the play style. Like, you, Bloodborne expects you to be way more aggressive, expects you to take risks. That whole regain system where you get health back for hitting enemies right after they hit you like they they want you to respond they want you to be quick 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 and i wasn't quite used to that so it took me a while and the enemies have so much hp compared to dark souls 1 i'd imagine and i've heard this from cliff before and a couple of other people that starting with bloodborne and then going backwards did you find the the games easier as you went along or did you find them more difficult
1: i found dark souls 2 a lot easier going back Mm -hmm. to it um but then I, I feel that uh, that was just, because it wasn't the the A-team as, as we all know them to be, I think <laughs> that it was probably, the, the, I don't know, the difficulty of it was probably a little bit hampered by that. Um, so I found that one quite easy. And it took a little while to just really, the, my main problem with Dark Souls 2 was trying to figure out where to go. Because they're, they're from the start in Majula, you've got so many different places to go. And you think, well, I don't really know which one to hit first. So you just kind of, go down one path and if you're not clicking with that one you try a different one I know mm-hmm. that there is kind of like a, a set way to go down through these games but I I kind of I use that as a reference point but try to make my own experiences so um, Dark Souls was I I think if I hadn't already had the experience it would have been very difficult but because I had that experience it wasn't quite so hard but the bosses in that game were absolutely ridiculous <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, some of them absolutely just destroyed me time and time again. And I just it got to the point where I just wanted to shout at my TV like, "I don't know what it is you want from me anymore. What do you want me to
0: do?" <laughs> I'm not laughing at you, believe me. I'm not. Oh no, I know. <laughs> uh, I just I, that 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 experience mirrors my own. Like when I first played Dark Souls, I spent like probably five hours on the um, uh, Taurus demon. Yeah. Just. Going through that whole area, and now um like I can pick it up and i can if i even d- decide to kill him, which I usually i can because you, you can totally skip him um like I'd maybe ten fifteen minutes, twenty minutes if I happen to like want to pick up some stuff on the way, like it's just a ridiculous amount of um mm-hmm. time that you spend learning, and then once you can apply that knowledge it just it just whizzes by yeah, it does what's your favorite bloodborne boss
1: oh that's a good question um,
0: <laughs> I don't know uh, I
1: think probably the Bloodstaffed Beast because that was the one that I mean, provided me with the biggest amount of challenge there's also, there's Marta Ligarius but he was just, he's he's not even challenging it's just I had to just beat my head against the wall until I eventually got him but Bloodstaffed Beast really forced me to think right, what am I doing wrong here and how do I go about changing it so it took me a long, long time of just pure experimentation of different weapons and different clothing sets and different strategies until I eventually managed to to get them. So I think that was probably my best one simply because it forced me to think the most mm-hmm. about what I had to do.
0: And what about the worst one?
1: Worst one, Marta Lagarius. <laughs> hated him. Absolutely hated him with a burning passion. Yeah, every time I went in there, he just destroyed me in 10 seconds flat. Really? Yeah, really, really hated him. And I I know he's an optional boss, but I thought, well, I want to see all the bosses in this game, so I have to do him. Um, But that was one of those where I think, can I not just skip this one? (laughs) Just just just... this one? (sighs) Yeah, just this one. Just afford myself a little bit of, I don't know, leniency on on that front. But I thought, no, come on, just in go big or go home just stick with it and do it and that's what i did i'm glad i did but yeah he absolutely ruined me time and time again
0: i had that experience with uh Abridas. that was she was my like giant yeah. wall of a boss um, yeah she was another one for me as well <laughs> man just just a just a, a huge wall of hp and a, a one-shot attack that doesn't happen yes. until you get at least half of her health down like just a, a nightmare of a boss and i you played Bloodborne and release too, and on release there were very few summons very few far in between summons yeah. and like there was some places were kind of buggy so you kind of had to do that fight solo yeah i did it solo yeah. man I, I don't know that i would ever do that again no <laughs> and no, i was no, going I in go blind like the the guide hadn't hadn't released yet <clears throat> so i was and i was kind of staying away from anything on the internet besides you know people that i knew that we were kind of making sure that we didn't spoil each other on everything and Finding out that Lugar- Lugarius and Ibridas were optional bosses, and they didn't even give me anything in the story, was so <laughs> disappointing to me. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. That's exactly how I felt. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, from from Bloodborne, did you go in directly into Dark Souls 2 or um, did you just keep replaying Dark- Bloodborne over and over again? Or what was what was your next? Because obviously, it gave you the hook, right? Like after Bloodborne, you oh, were kind of into it.
1: Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, from Bloodborne. Um, because I missed the, the final, final boss. Because at that point, I didn't actually know the criteria you had to meet in order to spawn the last boss. So mm-hmm. I thought, well, you know, I've seen that ending, and I've seen the other little sort of secret ending, depending on the choice you make. Um, so I thought, uh, well, I'll go through it again, do just purely the bosses that I need to do to get to the end game again. And so I did. I did went straight into a New Game Plus run, and I think I probably finished that New Game Plus in, say, about eight hours, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hit that New Game Plus, did the very final boss, got the very final ending. I thought, right, I'm satisfied now. I've seen virtually everything this game has to offer me for the time being. So then I kind of, I took a step back because I had some other games to play anyway. So I took a step back and then I've been listening to uh, Twin Humanities a lot and they were talking about... Uh, score of the first sin and I thought right time has come for me to just sort of get stuck in and and play this so I only started it probably four or five months ago, absolutely just blitzed through it Um, and I've put about 120 hours into that now and I've seen pretty much everything that game has to offer me now as well, but a couple of things I've still got to sort of mop up but uh, other than that I've seen virtually everything that that game has had to offer me and I thoroughly enjoyed it from start to finish I, I didn't really see what any of the complaints were about to be honest I although it's not as good as Dark Souls but at that point I hadn't played Dark Souls so I didn't really have that to compare it to so just purely on its own merits I felt that it was an absolutely fantastic game and it was just as difficult in some points as uh, Bloodborne was.
0: Absolutely and that, and that game is abs- is just enormous like you're, you're, you talk about the you know, difficulty trying to figure out where to go. And there's just so many different optional paths. And Mm, like I had to have on the original release, I was like, I kept making notes of, okay, I need to come back down here later. I need to come back down this area later. I need to go over here. And then the scholar of the first sin edition mixes it up so much that you kind of have to make notes to that too. Like, Oh, there's a statue here with a door behind it. So I need to come back when I have a branch and all of those things. Yeah. What was your, what was your build in dark souls too? Just out of curiosity, I'm kind of a mechanics guy. So I I like to know how people, you know, what what kind of weapons that they were using or what kind of build they were going for. Mm, That's fine. No, um,
1: I've not really, when it comes to these sort of games, I've never really been a magic user. I've always been a more straight up sword and shield kind of guy. So for Dark Souls 2, I thought I'd actually mix it up and try something different. So I actually went for a hex build this time. Um, Nice. Yeah, just purely because I'd never actually used that kind of build in these sorts of games before. And I thought, well, I'll I'll give it a try, sort of step out of my comfort zone a bit and see how I can click with it and it certainly helped out because those ranged attacks really did help me out in some of the bosses especially if i managed to uh, summon somebody else in and then it meant that every time i got battered i could sort of take a step back heal and then sort of get a couple of attacks in from distance before getting stuck in again so i would say that that um i'd probably just call that a one-off i think when three comes out i'll go back to just being a straight up sword and shield kind of guy but um I think for that one, I just fancied really stepping out of my comfort zone and just trying something different. And it definitely definitely helped me, I'd say. I mean, it was really good.
0: How did you get along with the uh, the DLC areas, which I know aren't DLC and um, Scholar because everything mm-hmm. comes into it. But, you know, the, the the relatively secret areas in the game because that's, they're kind of stacked against Magic users. as I, I learned that the hard way.
1: Yeah, they really are. They are definitely pretty hard <laughs> they they're actually they're a lot harder than the main game the main game was a walk in the park in comparison really uh, especially um uh, crown of the ivory king mm-hmm. yeah that took me ages just to, because i felt i was making progress and then i'd get absolutely smacked to death and i thought oh i just got to go all the way back there and it's just such such a drag to get back there But, I mean, it wasn't a drag in terms of actually sort of playing it. I was really enjoying it a bit. It was just like, oh, come on, just give me a break will you. You know, I've done what you wanted me
0: to do. Just come on, work with me. (laughs) Meet me halfway on this. Just give me, like, a checkpoint. I just want one checkpoint. Exactly, yeah, (laughs) because you never
1: really know when the the next um, bonfire is going to be. And you think, oh, just where am I going? What am I doing? And then you think, right, I've got to go down there. But I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get back to where I am from where I am if I go down there so i'll go down there first but as it turned out that route was the one that meant i couldn't get back and think oh i don't know where i am now and uh, it's just it's crazy it was definitely hard um i couldn't really rely too much on my magic at that point i had to just get stuck in with my sword but luckily i'd uh f- um fully scaled my uh my fire long sword by that point so if i can that was was quite handy because it was it was fast and it had good damage on it as well so yeah, the, the magic didn't really help out that much
0: in the DLC areas, but no, nah, nah. nah. every every enemy in there is resistant. I think specifically to dark, but just to magic in general it seemed like.
1: Yeah.
0: But man, it was it's all worth it for the last boss in the Ivory Ivory King DLC because that's probably one of the greatest boss experiences across yeah. any of the Souls games. It you was know, absolutely amazing. I'll never forget it especially in Scholar I went through in like New Game plus plus for some reason where it was like everything was scaled up and super hard mm-hmm. so I brought all of the knights and then three summons I think <laughs> so it was just a huge brawl like there was you know eight people on my team like I had a squad of people <laughs> going in <laughs> there it was so much fun <clears throat> well um, so you played through Dark Souls 2 on the, uh, the PS4 with the Scholar Edition I see, yeah. and, and I guess at that point you started looking around to try to figure out how to play Dark Souls 1 yeah definitely um,
1: I'd kind of I'd watched a couple of videos just to figure out how initially to sort of set up my character what build to go for initially and what uh, special gift to have at, at the start because I, I was kind of on a, a bit of a tight schedule I wanted to make sure that I got it finished before Dark Souls 3 came out so I thought well I don't necessarily want to make it easier but if I can have a bit of a general understanding of how to get started and then just make my way from there then it would certainly do me a couple of favors.
0: Where did you end up playing that? That was on. You played that on PS3 or on PC? Or
1: I played it on PS3. Yeah, because I had the infamous trouble with the not being able to access the DLC. That's right. That's
0: right. Yeah. Did you ever? I don't think I ever followed up with you on that. Um, I guess me, me and Josh have traded some tweets back and forth because mm. even though he bought the DLC, the key to accessing it would never drop correctly. Whatever happened with that, did you ever figure it out? Um, no, it, it won't let me access it.
1: I think it might be a regional issue because I did check the actual case for the game mm-hmm. and um, I think it's actually it's a French copy because it just listed it as being a mature rated game and obviously in the UK we have specific age ratings over uh, here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I think because of that it's actually it's not in this specific region so I think I'm just going to have to maybe try and track down another copy of it and then go through it again on a different save file because obviously if i just do it again i write my save but it will still probably register it as being in that region so i don't reckon that's going to work so i am gonna have to just completely start fresh um and go through it that way i think that's the issue because i did everything that it wanted me to do numerous times and it wasn't happening
0: so yeah yeah that sucks i think in that case if um if i had to start over from scratch i would have no problem in doing like a using a save editing tool. Like, you can just download uh, a save for PS3 that has all of the items or whatever, and basically recreate Mm. your character and then go to the DLC that way. Because, I mean, at a certain point, like, a 40-hour game is 40 hours of your life. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge amount of time with, like, new stuff coming out and, you know, family and work and all those kind of things. Yeah,
1: so, I mean, I don't mind doing it again from scratch, but I kind of, I really clicked with my character, like, my build was it was really solid and everything, so just to try and remember my certain path of doing that, I'm going to have to really sort of go back and write down where I actually put all my points
0: and everything to try and get back to how I was. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what, um, I guess going backwards like that, that's a, a really weird experience to me, Um, having gone, having kept up with the series since Star Souls 1, did you find the games getting... I don't want to say better because I know that's such a like such a personal opinion but like the the games obviously get a little bit more user friendly as as mm, we've gone yes. along. Yeah. Um did you was that a challenge for you? Like I know you said that like you know it doesn't explain things and you kind of have to learn it but like were you was it frustrating to go through that when, without the game explaining stuff to you after coming from Bloodborne and Dark Souls 2 and
1: um, not particularly, because by that point I was so used to it, I just thought, well, yeah, I know that I've got to go the extra mile here, so already having that knowledge in my head kind of forced me to to figure it out for myself. It didn't really bother me so much. Um, just every item I picked up, I'd read a description of it and think, right, okay, well, I'll come back to that at some point, and uh, yeah, it didn't really pose too much of an issue, because by that point,
0: yeah, I was just so used to it. Hmm. What do you think the the boss that you had the most trouble with in Dark Souls One was? Olmstein and Smo. <laughs> yeah, Olmstein and Smo. Forty-five
1: attempts that boss took
0: me. Forty-five. Wow. Forty-five attempts. <laughs> Thing is,
1: I didn't actually. I'd, by that point, I'd been a bit stupid. I'd actually completely blitzed all my humanity as well, so I had no way of summoning anybody anyway. But I didn't mind that so much because I wanted it to be just purely me and them anyway. I'd, this boss had been so built up in my mind by everybody talking about it and how amazing a boss it was. I thought, well, this is the kind of boss where I don't really want any help anyway. i just got to kind of go in there and figure it out for myself. And, you know, it would just it would always go down in my gaming career as being one of those bosses that I went in there by myself. I worked out their attack patterns. I worked out how to actually go about attacking them and just beat my head against the wall until I got it. So that's probably one of my proudest gaming moments of all time, actually.
0: Is it hard to remember? Because I, I find it hard when I start going through bosses over and over and over again. Um, if, if I'm not making any progress, like, is it. Do you find yourself getting frustrated that you're not doing better? Or do you just, in the moment, you're like, yeah, this is still awesome. I just have to focus and do the thing? Because I find myself getting real frustrated. And then once mm-hmm. I finally beat it, I'm like, ah, finally. Okay. then I start <laughs> feeling happy. But during the moment, like, it's. It's one of those things where I hate, 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 hate... Oh, God, thank God, finally it's done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, my main frustration was there would be certain times where I'd go in there and I'd get them so that I only needed one more hit to get them, and then they'd get me, and i think, think, right, okay, that's fine. I know I can do this. It's it's within my reach. And then I'd go in there, and they'd just kill me in two hits. And thinking, But I managed to almost do this the time before, so how have I suddenly got this bad in a matter of seconds you know it was just I almost got you and now I go in there and you destroy me in two hits what's what's going on I don't I don't understand it I also found that because I was working nights at the time I was going through it I'd often play it just after I'd woken up so I found that my my skill level would progressively get worse so if Right after I'd woken up, I'd be absolutely bang on the money each time. I'd be really good. And then with every attempt, I'd just gradually get worse and worse and worse until the point where I thought, oh no, I'm just going to give up today. There's no point. I'm just not going to do it, obviously.
0: I have a uh, friend who is sh- currently trying to stream his entire Dark Souls 1 playthrough. and um, hmm. He's going to be on the show b- pretty soon, so he'll be on in a couple episodes, hopefully. But uh, He just recently got to Sins Fortress. Yeah. And, um, so he started, I think this morning and I wasn't watching it, but, uh, I, I joined his stream a little bit later. His first run on streams on since fortress, he got almost all the way to the top without dying. Oh, Very first time. Thing. I mean, just crazy, right? Like that's yeah, insane. That's nuts. <laughs> and then, uh, I joined up right around the time, I guess he had died from, um, you know, the really, really thin bridge with the, oh. with the, the, the lizard on the left-hand side and yep. swinging it gill- Yeah. Yeah. So he died there. And then, um. From that point forward, and I watched him for about an hour. He almost he made it up there again once, <laughs> but it was a thing where he just he would die on the first two lizard guys, or he would fall off a bridge. Like his first attempt was easily his best run, and he could barely mm. even <laughs> reproduce it. Yeah, there's there's something about these games that I think um, you you start to you, you kind of start to psych yourself out. Like you, if you stop reacting on instinct, like you kind of tell yourself, okay, well I know I need to do this, I need to do that, and you're trying to kind of teach yourself and and you know, make sure that you have a strategy, but I think that removes some of the instinct from it, and you mm. get worse and worse and worse until you can finally get everything down.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing I often find with these games, is sometimes you have to really use strategy, and sometimes you just got to kind of go in there and just hope for the best. You know, you think, well, these are the weapons I've got, this is the armor set I've got. I've just got to get in there and get stuck in and just hope that I can get through it. The <laughs> Sense was a was a big part of that, because it took me so many attempts just to get... Past the main gate, obviously you've got those, those two um, snake guys as you get in, and they just absolutely hammered me time and time again. And again. But I managed to get up to the top of this a few seconds ago, so how come I, I now can't even get into the fortress?
0: And you get used to, and I do this on platforming games a lot too, where you are, there's a particularly difficult section of a of a level that's maybe towards the end, and you've done the beginning so many times, you kind of think, like, oh, I don't even have to worry about it anymore. But no, you actually have to worry about each step. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or yeah. else you're going to start yeah. dying earlier and earlier and earlier. It's, yeah. it's it's something that I think uh really difficult games. And I know the Dark Souls difficulty is overrated, but it's it is, yeah. games that you have to concentrate on, that you actually have to focus and think about what you're doing. Yeah. Those are the kind of games where you can really get in get in your own head about.
1: Yeah. I often find that if you get stuck into an area and you just not feeling it you know you did there's something that's not quite right it's just best just to give up because there's no point in trying to sort of force yourself into it you need to be able to just naturally fall into that sort of know, that rut because if you can't fall into it straight off the bat then there's no point in
0: even playing it until you're mentally prepared to deal with that Hmm. yeah absolutely <clears throat> what was your uh dark souls is kind of known for specifically dark souls one kind of known for the player a little bit Mm -hmm. and you know there's there's several moments in the game where they kind of sucker punch you did you i know you said you were looking some stuff up as far as like guidance did did you did did you hear about any of those ahead of time and i'm you know the like the firelink surprise after you get out of blight town or the the first mimic that you come across like did you fall for any of those the first mimic definitely (laughs) <laughs> definitely because
1: I, I didn't actually know that um mimics were a thing in dark souls 1 i thought they were purely a dark souls 2 thing so mm-hmm. when when i went to open it, it was actually it was in sense fortress i think was the first one right at the at the bottom because yep. you mm-hmm. can take that lift down and i think oh you know it's just a chest i'll open it and see what's inside and then it was a mimic and i thought oh no i didn't know they, they were in this game as well and i thought well, okay i'm gonna have to really think about this <laughs> and then when i figured out by uh um because i was watching the uh Prepared to Try series that uh, IGN had been running as well um, in the lead to Dark Souls 3. And then when they pointed out on there that if you actually stand in front of it and you move the camera to a point where you can you can look at it properly, where you can see it kind of breathing. So every chest I came across, was I had to wait about 10 seconds to figure out if it was breathing. And then I got bored of doing that. So eventually I just used to attack them and think, right, well, if I can attack it and it's not going all aggro on me, then it's a normal chest. But yep. mim- yeah, mimics were definitely a, a big thing for that.
0: There's also, um, and this is just a fun thing to know about mimics, that um, the chain on a chest, mm. if it curls, there's two directions it can curl on the chest. Right. And if it, one direction it indicates a mimic and the other direction indicates that it's just a normal treasure chest. Oh, God, I wish I'd have known that uh, before. That would have really come in handy. <laughs> and then um, you can use a Lloyd's Talisman, um, which is a pvp item that if you don't really mess around with pvp you probably just ignored but um in pvp you hit someone with the lloyd's talisman and they can't use their estus flask anymore so it prevents them from healing but if you throw a lloyd's talisman at a mimic chest it puts it to sleep and it opens up (laughs) so you can just take the chest without killing the mimic which is really weird (laughs) i did not know that at all yeah like there's so much hidden weird stuff in dark souls 1 i I love it all so much yeah that's why i love (laughs) these games Oh, That's I know. insane! I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, we had a conversation in um, the Duckfeed Slack about uh, like various gear that the NPCs wear. Yeah, because at some point I forget who it was on YouTube figured out that uh, Solaire, if you summon him in Orlando, mm. you can if he kicks somebody, you can see that his kicks do fire damage. Yeah, and the only thing that gives your kicks fire damage in the game is the charred ring, orange charred ring that lets you walk across lava. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. So you can, like, if you think about his narrative, like, apparently he went to um, Lost Izalith, got the ring, and then came back to Orlando, I guess, to grind for Souls so he could level up. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the way I always looked at it. I thought that was kind of neat.
1: Oh, I love that sort of stuff.
0: That's another thing I love about
1: these games is um, just the the characters. I think the characters, are, considering the fact that there's no sort of cutscenes or anything, um, just the, you put you you kind of you learn a bit of their the story through their dialogue and then you have to piece it together yourself and I think that's that's incredible because there's so many different theories as well because nothing I don't really think anything is like proper concrete set in stone I think a lot of it is down to sort of theories.
0: Mm-hmm. So, most I mean, of it, yeah, most of it is just people's theories. That was what really blew me away for when I first like discovered in Emb or Vadi videos videos like. Yeah. Them extrapolating plot from where an item was in the game, like yeah. that just blew me away. Like I've never seen, I've never seen a video game be that considered with its item placement or with its with its lore before.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's just so different, especially coming from a game like Metal Gear Solid, when you have an hour long cutscene that's just <laughs> rammed full of story, and then to come to come from that to this where there's barely any cutscenes aside from the start cutscene, the end cutscene, um, and just cutscenes whenever you get into boss areas. And to have to put the story together yourself is kind of like, well. I'm not really used to that. I'm used to just being told this bloated mammoth of a story, and now I've got nothing.
0: Yeah, it's it's really weird. Like if you're if you handed someone Dark Souls one and let them play through the entire game on their own, gave them no hints, didn't let them look at the internet for for help or anything, they could conceivably come out of that game and not know anything about what was actually happening. in it, yeah. which is so weird for a video game.
1: Yeah, but then there are people out there who dedicate all of their time to just doing purely sort of lore videos and everything so it's all
0: out there oh yeah you, you can go and you can find as much speculation as you want on a lot of that stuff um, mm. yeah so it's kind of interesting stuff I like that do you uh do you have a particular I don't want to say favorite because I hate I hate to like put it someone's favorite up there but like do you have a if you had your choice to play all four of the currently released Souls games like which one would you go for the most do you think mm.
1: I don't know, see the the thing is when I I actually finished Bloodborne I openly said that it was one of my favourite games of all time and then I went back and played Scholar and then I openly said that that was one of my favourite games of all time (laughs) and I've just been through Dark Souls, I finished it two, three days ago and now I'm Mm -hmm. openly saying that that is one of my favourite games of all time (laughs) So I'm opinion, sensing a pattern here. Yeah, definitely. My my opinion on this matter is my favorite Dark Souls game is whichever one I happen to be playing at the time. <laughs> um, because they've all got so many different quirks and different things. I absolutely adore the world and the, the setting of Bloodborne. I think that the, the HP Lovecraft influence really speaks to that part of my brain. And it, I really love it because of that. But then I love the bright color palette of scholar i think that some of the environments in that are absolutely stunning and when you get a moment where you're actually safe to just stand there and appreciate the scenery it's there's nothing quite like it um but then in dark souls one i like how th- you've got really winding paths and some of them that they're, they're kind of they're very i don't know you seem to just go downhill quite a lot i find especially like when you get to blight towns, like you start right at the top and then you just keep going down and down and down and you're not really sure how far down you're gonna get until you get to the swamp but um, and I like the the dark sort of bleakness of the original dark souls I haven't actually played demon souls yet that's
0: oh that was actually gonna be my next question because yeah. I couldn't remember if you had played it or not no, Are no you yeah. uh obviously we're, we're recording this the Sunday before Dark Souls three is released. Um, mm-hmm. Spoilers out there for people who care about behind the scenes podcasting business. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to guess that you're going to be way more into Dark Souls three, and you're not going to go back to Dark to Demon Souls right now.
1: No, I'm um, definitely Dark Souls three because there's there's nothing quite like playing a new Soulsborne game at the time that everybody else is playing it because mm-hmm. everybody's figuring it all out together, and it's going kind to of let like you all in one massive boat. This is your journey and you've just got to figure it out for yourself. So I'm going to definitely do Dark Souls 3. Then I'm going to take a, a step back from that. Once I've put many hours into that and I'm satisfied I can actually put it down and leave it alone. I'll take a step back from that. Let it all just sort of sink in for a bit. And then I'm going all the way back and doing Demon Souls. And then after I've done Demon Souls, I'm going to go back and do the Bloodborne DLC because I haven't done that yet. Oh um, wow! Man. Yeah, yeah, I know. The thing is, I, I keep meaning to do it, but then I just get—I got stuck into Scholar, and then after Scholar, I got stuck into Dark Souls. So it just kind of got put on the back burner. So that's my my grand plan of action.
0: Nice. So you're not you're not planning on playing any other video games besides Souls games, right? Oh no, that, <laughs> I am. I am
1: just to kind of break it up a little bit. But for the time being, when Dark Souls three hits on Tuesday, there is not another game that is entering my PlayStation
0: four until that is finished. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like I, I bought the digital copy, so it, it can't really physically leave the playstation mm, yeah. four. But it, I probably won't open up another game on it until I have w- watched the credits roll at least yeah. once. Yeah,
1: I find that um, if if this was about a year ago, I probably wouldn't be so heavily into it as I am now. But because I've really gained quite a burning love for this franchise, I just, I'm so ecstatic to know that there's another one coming out in a couple of days. That this will look all i intend to play for a very long time until i'm satisfied i can sit back and say i have seen everything this game has to offer i can come back to it when the dlc is released and then just blitz it again but uh, yeah i'm going to be hitting that
0: one hard as we're sitting here uh recording i keep looking over at my tv and the um it's on the Dark Souls three tab where it mm. says it can unlock and it's one day, fourteen hours, twenty one minutes, fifty six seconds. And I just <laughs> I can't help but look over and look like I need to turn the T V off so I stop getting distracted.
1: Yeah, it's like looking at the clock at work or something. It doesn't matter how often you look at it, it's not gonna go any faster. Yeah,
0: it's barely gonna move unless you just totally ignore it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um from a you know, these games feature like a pretty heavy online component to them. Um, Dark Souls 1, Demon Souls started it, uh, but Dark Souls 1 really cemented this weird multiplayer online system Mm -hmm. where you can summon people to help you out or you can invade people and, you know, the the concept of an invasion being something that I think truly changed like online gaming. Um, Yeah. Do you participate in any of the online stuff whether it's just summoning people or getting summoned or do you do any PvP stuff? Does any of that stuff interest you at all? Um, I tend
1: to rely heavily on summons if needs be um, and I did dabble a little bit the other day in um, invading other people um, just purely because I was really um, desperate for a bit of humanity so I thought well I'll, I'll go and do that I was kind of doing that uh, as well as grinding in the depths and getting all the uh, all the rats down there trying to just mm-hmm. grind a bit of humanity so I was uh, dabbling in that I don't tend to, to really invade people Um, just because every time I've tried they seem to be a lot better prepared than I am (laughs) so I go in there thinking yeah I've got this absolute beast of a weapon this should be really easy and then I spend ages trying to find them and then they absolutely slaughter me in two hits and they can yeah, you've probably been playing this a lot more than I have really. So, you're, you're that sounds working. like everybody's
0: right. first invasion story that, that I've yeah, ever heard. Definitely. Yeah, like yeah, do you get in there or the first, even I I've, I've even heard it the other way too, which makes no sense. It's like everybody's first getting invaded story is like this guy came in and just like hit me for half my health and then I died. And I'm like, well there's got to be <laughs> like it can't all nobody not everybody is good at this game. No. So No,
1: I know I'm definitely not. I mean, uh, I've got enough skill to hold my own but I'm definitely no expert so when I was doing that and then you, you kind of you look at the other person and you think hey you, you look all right I, I reckon I could take you one and, and get you in a couple of hits and then they pull out this massive sword and you think yeah all right perhaps not then to just just put an end to me and then they do they do <laughs> and you know and before I know it, I'm seeing another loading screen before pretty much before the other one's finished.
0: Well, uh, well. Hopefully, when Dark Souls three comes out, we can um, we can hook up with some online multiplayer. I would, I would really dig that. I am ho- yeah, hoping that, like, all of our our community that we've got on on Twitter and in various other places can can play some some video games together, even though we're now all about fifteen different times zones. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I reckon that this is going to be one that's it's really going to probably unite us all more than any other. I reckon so.
0: I think so as well. Yeah. Um, well, Josh, tell us where you can where people can find you on the internet if they choose to do so.
1: Um, if you want to find me on the internet I don't really tend to inhabit that much of it but if you want to find me on Twitter I am at MorbidBeard um, and if you I suppose if you want to add me on PlayStation Network I am at uh, ColossalChimera which is K-O-L-A-S-S-A-L C-H-I-M-A-I-R-A and that's pretty much all the the internet I inhabit I, I have quite a small bubble but it's small but uh, I find it to be quite positive so
0: Small and very positive. I, yeah, I got to say, I've, B and you have been following each other on Twitter for a while now, and I, I've come to very much enjoy the conversations we have and oh, goofing definitely. around and all that stuff. It's, it's been yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah,
1: without a doubt. There's some very great people, yourself included, on Twitter, and it's it's always a pleasure to talk to you, chaps. It really is.
0: And as always, you can find me at Twitter at JG Greer, and you can find this podcast and several more at DarkInsight.net, and we'll see you next episode.